Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now for something completely different. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Real Football Cast. I'm your host Dan Tracy and in the next 60 minutes we're doing something different this week. Usually when it's the international break it's time to have a week off, but not anymore, for the simple reason that I found something better than talking all things football. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is moaning about it. More on that in a minute. Joining me tonight I have Cole who's returned from his honeymoon and he starts married life. Cole, it's a pleasure to have you back on board. I hope all is well. And also being handed his debut tonight is Matthew Baldwin. Matthew's a Fulham fan, and we crossed paths on the ill-fated Fan TV channel. Yes, an actual TV channel from a couple of seasons ago. I think it had something in the range of about eight viewers, but never mind. Matthew, it's been a while, and I'm looking forward to chatting to you this evening. I'd best do some social media bits first, otherwise we'll be talking into the abyss once more. First, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at DanTracy1983. Anything show-related, send it my way. You can find me via iTunes. Search for Real Football Cast. And if you use that platform, don't forget to subscribe. That way you'll never miss a single episode. And if you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can also find me on SoundCloud or Acast. While the safest way to find all the links is by simply going to realfootballcast.com. As you should know by now, the Real Football Cast is sponsored by Loserpool. What is Loserpool, I hear you ask? It is a new game that sees betting turned on its head, with a focus being on the loser. If that has grabbed your interest, be sure to visit loserpool.com and create an account. Especially as from this weekend, there is a pool that will have a guaranteed prize pot of £1,000. Something you'll definitely not want to miss out on. Right then, it's time to go live. But before I do, I'd best explain the format for tonight's show. Cole and Matthew have been kind enough to offer up their football pet hates. One by one, they're going to volley towards me the things that they hate the most in our beautiful game. After a plea or a rant, I will decide if they get kicked in the bin. Kind of like a famous BBC show, but, you know, you get the idea. Okay then. Matthew, as the debutant, you can go first. What is the first thing you'd like to see kicked in the bin? 
Um, well, I've decided to go for, um, you know, there's there's many things I'm sure many football fans can agree on in regards to what deserves to go into football hell. Seb Blatter, Platini, that lot. So I'm trying to be a bit creative with this. So the first one I've gone for, and it's a, re- it's a current trend, and it's children with handmade signs asking players for shirts. What a start, now, yes. I, <laughs> now, I don't know where this trend came. Obviously, one kid did it once. For some reason, why do I get the feel? I think it was Meza Ozil was the first one to sort of have this, you know, I don't want to call it an honour, this thing bestowed upon him. Some kid wrote a sign saying, I love Meza Ozil, can I have your shirt? He probably said something like, it's, it's my birthday, can I have your shirt? With how? And then for some reason it's become a thing. And I put it on Twitter a couple of weeks slash months ago. There were two kids by the tunnel at Old Trafford one with again with handmade shirts. These guys looked about ten or eleven, so far too old to be doing this sort of thing anyway. But one of them was asking for Antonio Valencia's shirt, and the other was asking for Ashley Young. Now, if you're Man United fans, what on God's greener are you doing asking for their shirts? If you're gonna do this ridiculous thing, at least aim high. At least ask for Paul Pogba's shirt or Romelu Lukaku's shirt, you know, people who can actually play. Where you got this idea that you wanna go to school on Monday and say, Hey, I got a Man United, you know, match one shirt. Oh, who'd you get? Ashley Young. What why? Ow. Why why? It just doesn't make sense. Now the whole thing is if you're you know this if the the players come over after after a famous win like when they stay up or they qualify for the cup final or whatever and players go and throw their things into it should be luck of the draw you shouldn't be asking for these things this, these should be special moments i have i'm looking right at my marcus Bettinelli one that we won um we won in a, an fa cup replay against wolves in the snow and i still have that proud because i was lucky enough to grab that from a pile of about 10 different hands or jumping in the air to grab it. It should be something you special, not something you should have. That's not something you ask for. Okay. So kids asking for football, you know, players shirts can, um, as the Scottish would say, can get a fuck. Very good. Are we allowed to swear by the way, before I, are we allowed to swear? Um, yeah, before I not, I think okay. Pandora's box that, is open. If, <laughs> if that's my one, then that's my one. It's a good start. It's a solid start. Carl, uh, any counterpoint, or would you like to add to that? No, I think that's a valid point. Um, I think there are more things where we could say about kids in football. Um, and, you know, th- that asking for a shirt is almost as bad as someone trying to um, tweet a footballer at a footballer. You know, it's my son's birthday today. Can you send him a birthday message? Um, you know, and basically they go through the whole squad asking these players on Twitter to kind of reply saying happy birthday um, and you, you're sitting there, you know, I, I don't know if these people actually think that it is Harry Kane actually typing all these messages on his phone to some of these kids when you clearly know it's a PR team. Um, I think once I saw one bloke beg Harry Kane about five times to wish his kid happy birthday and you kind of was like, mate, it, he's, it's not happening, so give it up. So, yeah, I think there are a few things with kids in football. I've got one that involves um, kids, but that's more to do with players. Right, OK, we'll get to that one hopefully in a bit. But um, to be honest, Matthew, that was a lightning fast start straight out the blocks. And I think that one's definitely going to football hell. So congratulations. Kid signs for shirts and that kind of thing are definitely in the bin. So perfect start for Matthew. OK, then. Cole. Good start. Yeah, great start. Cole, what would you like to see first off kicked in the bin? 
the, the first thing I'd like to see Dan kicked in the bin, which I, I don't know where this started. Um, and it's something that having played football, I've never felt the need to do. Um, and you look at other sports and you don't really see it. And that is spitting. Now, I cannot stand watching a game of football because I don't know the amount of phlegm that most of these blokes must bring off the pitch with them nowadays when they play. Because it seems like everybody just has to, no matter what they do, they have a spit afterwards. Um, and you see the camera pans on them and, you know, oh, he's had a shot. Oh, let me do a big gob because I just had a shot. Oh, I'll run over there a minute. Let me have a gob. Um, oh, I've just done my laces. Need to have a gob. We've even now got substitutes running on the pitch who haven't even played yet or done anything, who have to have a gob. And there must be so much spit and phlegm all over the pitch nowadays that it's, it's unbelievable most games are not called off through waterlog. Um, I don't know where it's coming. Um, you know, other sports, you see tennis players who probably run as much and sprinting as much as footballers, but you don't see them having a quick gob every two seconds after a point. You know, oh, there's a point. You know, there it goes. There's a nice another bit of spit, you know, and end up making a little river along the back line of the court, you know. So that is one thing I really can't abide, Dan. And, and, you know, and it's almost as bad as the one out the nose, you know, when you see a player close one of his nostrils and, and leave a nice big, you know, wad of snot on the pitch. Um, and that, for me, mate, that has got to go. You know, I don't know where it's come from. I've never done it myself. I've played football. You guys have probably played football. I don't know whether you've ever felt the need to do that. You know, you know, constantly gobbing and spitting everywhere. Um, I can't stand it. It's one of the things I watch a game and I, every time I see a game, I'll probably nudge my missus and say, why does he need to do that? What's with this? And she just, you know, raises her eyes and says, you on this again? You know, let it go. And it's like, I can't let it go. It's, it's really doing me in. So I want to see spitting done then. Okay, then, uh, Matthew, a counterpoint yeah. or anything to add there? No, I agree with you. I just want to bring up the point, are we 100% sure um, that it's always spit? And the players in this age of, you know, world, you know, world-famous nutrition... This isn't some sort of energy-giving chewing gum that they're, <laughs> they're getting through the game and then they thought, oh, after five minutes, all the energy's worn out. So pff, that's why. And then they've got another bit in their sock that they're just, oh, <laughs> got to get another, got to get the next one out. Like, you've never seen a goalkeeper spit because they don't need the energy. So that's, yeah. that's what you want. I'll tell you what, if this isn't a thing, I guarantee you within the next month of this podcast coming out, Wrigley's or well, yes, yeah, Wrigley's. or anyone will have come up with energy-giving chewing gum. Hubba like Bubba. We'll have Hubba Bubba. We exactly. Um, well, this, yeah, this spit brought to you by Wrigley. It could happen, but first it's got to get out of the bin because that's going in the bin. I can, I can slightly appreciate sometimes if you do need to spit if you're clearing your lungs while playing some kind of sport, but it's the needless level of gobbing that Carl was so adequately sort of put his point across. It is every couple of minutes. It's too much. We don't need to see it in the game. So that one is in the bin. So you're both on one at the moment. It's a, a good start. Um, Matthew, your second offering, please. Okay, now this is the one where I feel I'm going to touch the you know the football romantics heart over this thing. Okay. And it's physical copies of the cherished items and i'm talking specifically about programs and tickets now i am in no way a voice for the green party i cannot stand them i think they're a bunch of you know lefty liberal hippie lunatics but i will st i will agree with them on this point 
we are living in a world where we want to, you know, declutter the whole thing, where we want to recycle plastic and, you know, or get rid of the one-use plastic, you know, recycle. We don't want things clogging up the oceans, all that sort of thing. And not only in the oceans, but in our houses. I have, and again, this is another thing, of point of reference. Um, this is probably going to be the last one for this episode, but I'm looking at my box of programs that I've collected over the years. They're serving no use to me at this point. I'm sure when I was younger, when I was younger, I used to collect autographs. I'd go behind, you know, um, again, I didn't ask anyone for an autograph. I just stood there hoping someone would sign. I didn't specifically shout, going back to my previous points. But now they're just sitting there. Why can't we just get rid of the programs and tickets as well? Because I'm flooded with you no know, tickets. We're living in a wage, in an age where everything is digital. Why can't we just get the programs on your phone? Why do we need to produce, you know, 10,000 match day programs when the only reason we ever bought programs was to keep ourselves entertained when there was a break in play, when it was half time, when there was an injury or something. But now everyone's got mobile phones. They're checking Twitter. They're checking their, their fantasy football update. Oh, has my triple captain got an assist today or whatever? I don't play fantasy football anymore. But that's a different point. We're glued to our phone, so why not make the use of that? Why not put the match day program on your phone where you can click through it? You can save them. You can have 10,000 programs from every single game across the world onto a little memory stick. You, we don't need all this needless clutter that's clogging up the world. The same goes for tickets. When I, I went on a uh, on a, uh, an East Coast tour of America recently, and I want I watched uh, I want to say seven baseball games. I don't have any tickets from that because it will just clutter up my room or or go in the bin afterwards. I have every single receipt or ticket stub, if you want to put it that way, on my phone, so I could reminisce on my phone. Say when I'm flicking through old photos. Oh yeah, I remember that game. That was a good game. We can do all the needless romanticizing. If, if you want to call it necessary romanticizing, fine. You can do all that, but it's to, to have it on your phone. You don't need all these things cluttering up your house. It's an interesting viewpoint. Carl, anything to add to that? Uh, no, I, I, I like that point. And I, I'd also add to that now, especially when you consider that if you looked at a modern day program now, you could probably take 10 pages out of that through beer advertisements and watch advertisements. Um, they're filled with so much junk nowadays that actually most people are not concerned with. So, yeah, I'd kind of, I kind of go along with that now that, you know, I remember my dad, when he first started going, said the program is just basically a piece, one piece of paper. Um, and he's got, he's got programs going back from the sixties and he's lost doing nothing. Um, and potentially I'll just flog him and sell him once he's, once he's copped it, bless him, the poor old boy. Um, so I can kind of agree with this. I can see where we're going with this one. Um, I kind of quite like the idea and I think, you know, most people getting in the modern day, if you signed up to the Spurs app or something like that, or your club's app, then that's how you'd probably get your match day program through there. And if you wanted to view it, you just click on the right option. So I like this idea. Yeah, exactly. And if you uh, bring the cost down, because I don't, I don't know what the cost, but if it costs, say, one pound to uh, produce a program where you take in the ink, the stapling, the folding, and all that sort of stuff, if it takes one pound to produce a program and they're selling it for three pound or three pound fifty, if you just take, take away that process and it'll take, what, cost a penny or something, in minimum wage for some person to actually just put all the stuff online you can then sell it for a pound 
and more people are going to buy it because they're going to it's going to be a more reasonable more reasonable price people are going to say 350 for you know for what now it's it's just it's another it's another way and a better way for for the clubs to make their money mm, right okay you make very good cases and i like the way you're sort of designing the future of the program but i am a romantic and i like the old school program and the memories that that comes and the sort of tickets and the sort of scrapbook format and without those elements i'd have an empty scrapbook so unfortunately Football pro- physical copies of programmes and tickets are not going in the bin this week. So your first blank there, Matthew. Apologies, but I, it's my decision at the end of the day. So you, you are what's wrong with this world. I am. You, yeah, it's me. <laughs> I'm what's wrong with you. Football. Embrace the change. No, I mean you lefty, Dan. You, you liberal lefty. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. This is an apolitical <laughs> football podcast. Don't jump me down that level. But um, I mean, you do make some very salient points about you know future-proofing with the app and the quality of programmes. They are sort of naff, but I don't think it's really the, the quality of the programme that you're almost buying. You're buying that memory to take back after the game, but that's a sort of other topic we could sort of go down further. But a good, good suggestion, don't get me wrong, but um, it's staying out of the bin for now. So, Carl, uh, your second serve, what have you got for me? Okay, so we'll, we'll go back to kind of like the kids, if you like, oh, being involved in, in the football. It's not a kid-friendly podcast, is it? It's not. It's not. I've now fed up the seeing a player's whole family tree of children coming on the pitch when they win a trophy or, um, you know, at the end of season, all of a sudden the last home game, you know, the player brings on his kids, his sister's kids, his brother's kids, his, you know, mates at school's kids. They all come on the pitch and do a lap of honour with these players. And quite frankly, I'm fed up of it. I, I don't want to see your kids. You know, I've come to watch you play football. If you've won a trophy, I just want to see the the players who finished that game or that squad going around parading the cup. You know, I, I'm not worried about, you know, Aguero or Ericsson or Kane having his kids on there in a replica kit, you know, with his name on the back, Daddy. And they've got the headphones on because of the noise. Well, if you're worried about your kids' ears and the noise, don't bring them on the pitch to start with. Um, So that, for me, that's become a real bugbear of mine, watching it, because, as I say, it's now become... Now they bring the family on. And when you consider some of these, you know, we're bringing players over from Latin America, you know, being married to a Colombian, if I was to play football and win a trophy and bring her family on the pitch, well, I'll tell you now, (laughs) there'd be more than there is in the ground, Dan. I can tell you. You know, I'd I'd be having demands left, right and centre. So I think we need to get rid of this. We don't want no kids. We don't want no one's wife on the pitch. You know, I just want to see you win a game or the last game of the season, Walk around, chaps. You've done your bit. We're there to say thank you if you've done well or, you know, appreciate what you've done for the season. But I'm not interested in seeing your kid. Leave him in the stands or at home. Ah, sorry, no, that, see, that, that's no, unkid friendly, but I'm sorry. That's I've had fine. Enough. That's fine. It's your, your suggestion, mate. Uh, Matthew, anything to add on yeah. that one? See, the thing, I, I agree with you to a point. I, I agree with, you know, bringing the whole family because usually they, they're usually, you know, they're now accompanied by their wives, their, their wives and girlfriends. Um, I think it's okay just for the kids. So long as it's just your, you know, one or two children, you know, in daddy's arms if they're like one or two, just to give them, just to give I agree. I, I, and I think there's a limit. For an empty season, you know, lap of appreciation. Yes, maybe then leave leave them in the you know in the players' lounge or whatever. But I think when they're uh, parading a trophy, 
round. I think that's still the one occasion where I can sort of forgive it, where they're, you know, the, the official club photographer will just have them lined up. Um, Sergio Aguero, when he's won the trophy, you know, his kids are like one and two, you know, barely, you know, not even taller than the Premier League trophy. But he'll have them sat down, him smiling with the Man City fans behind him. And that's something that he can like, you know, cherish forever. I'll agree. I'll agree to that. But I do absolutely agree with you that there is a sort of limit to the amount of people you should be bringing you should be bringing on. Otherwise, as you said, there's going to be more people on the pitch than there is in the stands. I absolutely agree with you there. But as much as I don't like kids asking for shit, there is a let. Kids do have some place in football, <laughs> but not but not a complete place. <laughs> okay, then. So for me, kids don't really have a place in this podcast. They shouldn't really be listening to it anyway. So unfortunately, kids, you're going in the bin again twice in yes. what, 20 minutes. It's not a good start for the kids. <laughs> Yeah, I just think it's, it's just too much, isn't it? You know, like where do you draw the line? Like three, four kids running around the pitch, and it's just like, oh, don't yeah. get me wrong. You know, I'm not I'm some killjoy, but I don't need it. Like, imagine... well, then we get the one who dribbles the ball to the goal, yeah, and yeah, he falls yeah. over just before he puts the yeah. ball in the net. Oh, exactly. Get off! Exactly. <laughs> we don't need it. I mean, just did it happen at the World Cup final? I don't think it did. I mean, obviously, would you then send your sort of kids internationally? I don't know. Like Carl reference. So, Carl, I think for the sake of your sort of multiple airfares and all the kind of bills you'd have to sort of uh, be inclined to pay, <laughs> should you win a trophy, I don't know when that will be, but if it does happen, thankfully, kids will be in the bin at that point, so you don't have to worry yes. about flying them in. So, it's two for two from Carl. Matthew's got a bit of catch-up to do, but hopefully he can turn things around with his third suggestion. So, Matthew, what have you got for me this time? Um, well, this is uh, quite apt, given the time that we're recording this, and it's international breaks. Oh, now, I agree that, you know, I'm not one of these people that say you should have all your international games during the summer. You know, you know, all international games, be they qualifying for tournaments or the tournaments themselves, have them in June, have them in June and July, you know, end the season a week earlier, start the season two weeks later sort of thing. I, I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of that. What I would say is take a leaf from other sports and keep playing your club games whilst the international games are still going on. So here's my so here's my theory. It's an international break. Manchester United are playing Chelsea. We don't see Eden Hazard and David De Gea and David Luiz and Rom and Romelu Lukaku uh, strolling out strolling out the Old Trafford Tunnel. We see the Manchester United and, and Chelsea under twenty threes. Now, what have we been saying for years? Um, I say this re- we as, as a royal we um, because I'm Welsh, but all the um, English people have said, you know, we need to get English players, the young English players, get more game time in big games. So what better way to give them experience of playing in big games than to let them play in the Premier League? Let the whole team play in the Premier League where there's you no know, pressure to get three points that could eventually not, you know, win the under-23 league, which no one gives a toss about, um, which isn't even right because it includes teams from the Championship Academy for some weird reason. Um let them play and let them play for actual points that people care about. Given that experience of given the experience of being matched, if you want, include this to the Champions League as well. Have international breaks at the same time the Champions League is going on. Have eighteen year old a whole team of under eighteens playing in the Champions League if you so desire. But that's my idea. Is give is we 
But and then there's also the joy of you get an international football and club double header. You walk out of your Manchester United Chelsea game straight to the pub, watch England play or watch Wales play or, you know, Old Firm Derby on, you know, Old Firm Derby, 12 o'clock on the Saturday, 3 o'clock, so, uh, Scotland kick off at Hampden Park. Wouldn't that just be a grand thing for everyone to enjoy? It's an interesting concept. Very interesting, actually. I've never thought of that one before. Uh, got me on the hop there. But, uh, but Cole, have you got anything to add on that one? Well, I, I kind of agree slightly with this because I, I'm not a lover of these um, the international breaks, especially when they're for nothing meaningless friendlies. Um, I don't think there's anything worse than, you know, your club season being stopped for a friendly that no one really cares about and you then send the players away. And, you know, half of them have probably been told, well, you know, well, you might have a mystery, you know, slight pull here or a pull there. And I think it's understandable because, you know, if you're a club playing these players big money and you've got big games coming up and then, you know, everything stops for two weeks while you play Senegal and, you know, uh, I don't know, Madagascar just to walk and, you know, have a friendly. It's like, why are we bothering with this? You know, I don't like friendlies. I only want to see international breaks for competitive football. And then after that, that's it. I don't want to see internationals anymore because they, they end up with, you know, 25 subs going on. You know, no one cares. Um, there's no passion. The crowds don't really care. So I kind of can agree with this. I'm not sure I'd want to see us play without our main stars. And I'm not sure people would want to spend money on tickets knowing that they then may lose, you know, four or so games throughout the season where they won't see their key players. Um, and especially given the amount the Spurs have got in the England squad at the moment, we certainly wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't fancy us missing half our squad right now at each international break. But... Yeah, Do you I'm have definitely... no faith in the Spurs Academy that the players can't <laughs> step up? Is this not what Spurs are built on, on great academy players like Harry Winks and Harry I'll, Kane? I'll, I'll hold my answer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see many more coming through other than them right now. Um, so, no, I, I kind of agree. I, I'll go half and half with this one. I want to see the international break scrapped. I'm not sure I like the idea of seeing the under-23s. Right, OK, then, so... Let me um, summarise this one. I think from an under-23 point of view, it's a good idea when you explain the rationale of giving them game time. But what doesn't sit well with me is the fact that the Premier League's integrity would almost be ruined. You could almost argue it's been ruined already. But it's been ruined because then there'd be an imbalance in the quality of fixtures. Why would a team like Chelsea, Tottenham, Man United, for example, be punished with having more internationals, whereas a team such as... Burnley, Huddersfield could then play a weakened team and it helps them out. So that wouldn't really work. I think there'd be a bit. By of the way, more... by the way, you say Premier League. This is this is Europe and worldwide. Yeah. League would have the same thing. League One, Serie A, the whole thing. Yeah, but a whole lot. Regardless of the league, it would ruin the sort of inter-league competition, wouldn't it? So I think that would be an issue. And I think controversially, as much as I hate international breaks, they have to stay because without them, you don't get the World Cup and the European Championships. So you need that period of darkness to get to the, the light at the end of the tunnel don't you so you know without the uh, the rubbish fixtures we don't get the good ones every four two years whatever you look, want to look at it so unfortunately international breaks controversially are not being kicked in the bin this week I think I've started too hard I'm starting to falter I need a need a second wind yeah. the last two subjects <laughs> yeah, don't worry don't worry I mean there's still time to turn things around but you know, it's just that's just the opponent you've come up against. But um, a good suggestion, though. Don't be wrong; they're all very solid suggestions. It's just, um, I guess, the mood I'm in tonight. But uh, unfortunately, no 
international breaks not going in the bin. So, Cole, can you keep up your 100% record? What have you got oh. third time around? So, for me, Dan, I think this is something that, again, I'd like to think is going to be a bugbear for most people. Um, and this is going to be um, inconsistency with refs, linesmen. And this is this little thing now where you see throw-ins being taken 15 yards further forward than they are um, when the ball's gone out. Um, you know, you see a free kick get given right in the corner by the corner flag. Um, and then the next thing you know, the goalkeeper's got it virtually near the halfway line um, in the centre of the pitch. And you get a referee just waving him on and you're going, hold on a minute. That free kick was right in the corner flag, virtually on the corner flag. And somehow he's 10 yards further forward and 10 yards in the in towards the centre of the pitch just to get him a nicer position and place the kick. Same with the throw-ins, you know, a throw-in goes out near the corner flag and before he's taken it, he's almost in the in with the subs and the manager's having a chat, you know, because he's been allowed to walk forward 15 yards by a referee and linesman who are just looking at him. And then we're starting to wonder why, you know, refs will start to wonder why and the game's going to wonder why players don't have respect for officials. Um, and it's just the little thing where these players are allowed to get away with, you know, basically piss-taking. And it'll be the same with corners. I have a real bugbear about corners when we've got a quadrant and you see the player trying to balance that ball on the thinnest bit of white line rather than placing the ball inside the quadrant, which is how it used to be. And that, that is the whole point of that quadrant in the corner. So I guess I'm going to say this is maybe more aimed at referees and officials allowing players to take liberties during a game and basically and say to him, I don't really care where you know, I should be taking this. I'll take it where I want to take it. And that, to me, Dan, it really winds me up when I see it during the game. OK, so good shout. Matthew, what have you got to add to that one? Now, see, I, again, this, I don't want this to be a whole thing, you know, all referees are rubbish. We know that to start with. Um, but I can sort of understand that the pernicketiness of it like what you mentioned like what you mentioned with the quad what you mentioned with the uh, with the quarter quadrant because isn't the rule that the ball has to be overhanging the quadrant you know it doesn't have to be inside That's as long right, as a yeah. part of well, the ball the thing, is it? over the whatever i think yeah. there just there just needs to be a little bit more um uh strictness about what the rules are in the first place yeah like like and for throwings in the corner I'll allow a yard. I, I, I agree with you there. I'll allow one yard of, of give and take. You know, if someone, you know, just stumbles and uh, throws it over. I, I get that. But also, I think there's a case of, so long as they're being terrible for both teams, surely it's one of those, it's one of those things that, you know, that evens out. One team gets the ball, you know, takes for a me, throw in 15 yards further forward. The other team takes one 15 yards further forward. It's not as if it's it's like a home field advantage thing. Every oh, no, home there's team definitely gets no bias rules. being done. For me, I just hate the fact that you're sitting there going, why are you allowing this guy to walk forward? Even when Spurs players do it, I don't care who's doing it for me. Whenever I see it, I'm sitting there going, why are you referee and linesman watching that bloke just keep walking further up the pitch? And, and taking the throw in from there when it was right there. Or we saw where the free kick was because it was the bloke knocked the corner flag when he went out of play. And somehow he's now in the middle of the goal taking a free kick. How have you allowed him to take it from that position? And I, it's just for me, I don't care who's... I think it's one of them... I suppose I'm just fussy that I would have to say as a referee, well, where are you going? 
the corner. It was you was in the corner where you got fouled. Take the ball to the corner flag, please, player. I think, Don't try and make a mug of me. You know, I, it was out there. So I yeah, I, I'm of, just picky. I think it's one of those things. If it's in the corner, you know, if it's a corner, it's not really going to make that much of a difference because the team's got to go all the way up the other end. They've still got time to defend. It's you know, if there was a you know a foul. Um, in the corner, you know, again on the corner, and the team was attacking, and the player decided to go 15 yards further back so that he got a different angle. So Rory Delap style, he could launch it in at a better angle. I sort of agree with you, but I think it's, if it's a defensive thing, um, then I think there should be a little bit more fluidity. Just, just because I don't, it's not really that important. Because what's going to happen? You know, the ball's going to bounce. You know on the halfway line rather than 10 yards behind the halfway line. It's not going to make that much of a difference. So I can see that's where the, you know, uh, uh, leniency, if we can call it that way, that's where the leniency uh, comes into it. Whereas when it's further forward, you'll see referees march up and point to the, to the exact blade of grass that know the foul happened outside the area, right there. So but then when he turns his back, the player will spin the ball 10 yards further forward. I, Again, I, think, I think my point here is players, um, what I would say, just abusing, uh, if you like, the, the players just taking the piss, basically. Right, okay. And, and they, they know they're moving it further forward than it should be. And you have a referee who just kind of goes, oh, yeah, go on and take it. Okay, no, well, no, no. I've taken no. all the feedback on board. <laughs> and I don't think I'm going to let this run in the bin, only because oh. you'd have nothing to shout at during the game. True. You know, you, you know, FNL ref, like, what are you doing? And Matthew's right. And then if they were all blatantly for one team, you'd be like, hang on, what is going on? But if it's a bad ref and both teams are sort of putting the wall over his eyes, then it does balance each other out. And I think, like I say, winds back to you want to vent at the ref anyways. And I think that is a, an integral part of going to the game, isn't it? So I think we need that in football. As frustrating as it is, because you're all right, it's the nicking of yards in a badly positioned corner where it shouldn't, but, you know, it should be policed better, but I think we need that element in the game to make it what it is, especially from a, a match day going atmosphere. So, unfortunately, Carl, your 100% record is over. That one's oh. not being kicked into the bin. So, Matthew, can you get back to winning ways with number four? Now, I'm glad this has, happened. This has coincided perfectly with half-time of the Wales Republic of Ireland game, so I can give this my full throttle's worth of attention. OK, mate. And it's perfect because it concerns the Irish. Not necessarily, not necessarily, not necessarily the Irish, but the treatment and the loving that seems to exist between the media, uh, social media and the, the press and Irish fans. Where did this love in that every single thing that the Irish fans do is the greatest thing that ever happened? If you look at what the Irish fans get praised for, they get praised for all wearing the same color. You know, they're the boys in green or they're the green army, just like the Brazilians do by wearing yellow, just like the French do wearing blue, the Dutch wearing orange, the Danish wearing red, the Welsh wearing red, the Belgians wearing red, the Swedish wearing yellow, the Australians all wear yellow. You get my point. Yeah. What That's nothing special. That's you know, wearing your team's colours. That's what you're meant to do, isn't it? You know, you're meant to wear the shirt of the, the, the team you support. Um, they drink a lot. They drink a lot of, of alcohol. Is you know, They're always up for a party. Have any of you ever had the privilege, and I say this as a privilege, of having a Scottish team, mainly Celtic and Rangers, come down to your ground for a pre-season friendly? 
They will drink your town dry. Rangers even did that to the city of Manchester in 2008. Did, yes. there, was not a, there was not a single drop of alcohol left to buy in the city of Manchester for that UEFA Cup final. Don't you dare say that the Irish are the only people who enjoy a drink and enjoy a laugh. And the third thing, they're always up for a laugh. They're always up for as if... The, no, the world doesn't. You know, again, I say this. For, I say this for Scott just because, uh, just because, because they're the one. Um, they're, they're always up for a laugh. You know, fr- Frankie Boyle. Have you never heard of him? Or Billy Connolly? Or Kevin Bridges? Or any other comedians around the world? Don't. It's just. I don't get why people think that what the Irish do. You know, they all sing along for ninety minutes. What you're meant to do? They all behave very well, like you're meant to do. Like, what are the Irish fans doing that is so special and unique that we need to treat them as if they're God's chosen people? There, there are fans worldwide who do the exact same thing as the Irish, yet no one gets any mention of them. But for some reason, the Irish... I have a theory as to why this happened. It's basically because the English fans went through a period from... You know, you talk about uh, there was fighting at the World Cup in 86 uh, when they played Argentina. Basically, the whole of the 80s, um, there was um, incidents in Euro 2000 when they were smashing up things. You have uh, Euro 2016 where you had the fight with the Russians. It's basically the English media have their perceptions of what fans should be dragged so low by the, by the behavior of English fans that all of a sudden fans acting normally just resets the moral high bar and think that's how you should be behaving. That's the greatest thing ever. No, applaud them, the class acts, when they're only doing what they're meant to be doing. But for some reason, they're treated as they're treated as gods on, on social media. Right, okay. rant over. Cole, I don't even need your input for this one because Matthew, I absolutely agree. I'll tell you why. First hand um, evidence of this. Me and my friends went on mass to uh, Europe 2016. We went to watch. Um, Switzerland, Poland, bit of a random game, but that's what the tickets we got. We were in Lyon, and Ireland played France the next day. And my God, they were just like, they're everywhere, like locusts, and they do not stop drinking. And when you're sort of been drunk all day and you're quite tired, they just keep going and going. They're just like relentless, and they're just, you know, en masse and noisy. You know, don't get me wrong, I love football as much as the next person, but... Jesus, they just don't stop. So for that reason, by alone, the way, this is but no, no, this isn't me criticizing no, no, the no. Irish fans. What they do is fine. It's what they. It's just the way that they're perceived as the greatest thing to ever yeah, grace the not, earth. They're not. That's my issue. The greatest thing because I've seen them up close, and they're not the greatest thing. So it's absolutely fine, Matthew. It's they as a a unit are going into the bin. So two for four now, Matthew. Congratulations. Back to five hundred. <laughs> I hope you two seal up your letterboxes um, tonight. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this might only go out in the UK then. So. <laughs> but, um, oh, no, I, hang on, this goes, this goes to the Northern Irish fans as well. I, I, I don't like their treatment either. So, yeah. Right, OK. Right, right, just make it even more tougher for me. OK, well, let's move on very quickly, shall we? Um, Cole, pick number four, please. Substitutions Ooh, um, for me, Dan. And this is more around what I consider these time-wasting substitutions that actually now really just grind you during a game. And that is when you see, you know, with 30 seconds to go, a team bringing on a bloke and his whole purpose is just to run on the pitch and then just as soon as he's on and gets to his position, the referee blows a whistle. Um, 
I think the whole substitution um, process needs to be looked at. I don't understand why we can't have something in this modern day where the ball goes up and a player just runs off at the nearest point of the pitch where you know, he's at. So if he's over the far side of the pitch, because that, that's the other thing we see, isn't it? When there's, when there's a minute left of the game... Harry Kane, if he knows he's being brought off, he trots to the furthest point of the pitch he can get to. And then as soon as his number goes up, he takes the slow trudge, doesn't he? You know, pretends to have a little jog, but then walks again. And there's half these subs most of the time are just not necessary. Or it's like, okay, you're coming off, but you're over the far side of the pitch. Well, just walk off over there, player. You're right by the touchline. Walk off. You can walk round the the pitch to get back to the line and we'll let your man come on and the game can get underway again or why can't we just keep the game going now you know the bottom line is if he's coming off get off the pitch as quick as you can and your new bloke coming on can't come on the pitch until he's off officially um I, it just really winds me up, you know, especially, like I say, the ones where the guy runs all the way across the far side of the pitch and he takes a slow jog and the referee has to trot over to him and try to herd him along like a sheep, you know, to get him off the pitch. When we all know what it's done for, I'd even go as far to say there should be no substitutions in the last five minutes of games. Even if you go down to 10 men, most teams for five last five minutes of a game could deal with playing with 10 men, um, you know, or if that guy is just slightly injured, well, he just goes on the wing like in the old days and you just see it out from there. Um, I don't know what your views are on that. I just really hate these time-wasting substitutions. I think we're just losing time and that whole process can be done a lot better and a lot quicker. Interesting. Okay, Matthew, anything to add to Cole's fourth pick? No, I, I, I can't see any. I can't see any real flaws flaws with the argument. I, I do agree there are substitutions where you know there's three minutes worth of added on time, and it gets to you know ninety two minutes forty five, and there's a player stripped off ready to be. I do agree. Do I, I? I don't agree with the whole. You know there shouldn't be any substitutions after the eighty fifth minute. Maybe after the ninetieth. I get because you know you could have, you know, the the team that's you know a goal down throws one more there's another thing about substitutions just point in terms of point of substitution teams waiting until like the 85th minute to bring on their final attacker when they should have done so five minutes early i get you that the whole way the substitutions have gone is completely straight and i will agree with you that yeah there are some substitutions as you say that are completely pointless so yeah i agree with you kick it in i don't i don't i don't mind i think i'm losing this anyway so i agree with you kick it in i mean to be honest, from a devil's advocate point of view, which is the role I'm trying to play tonight, you talk about sort of late subs and time wasting is frustrating, but as a supporter of a team, say you were 1 0 up, is that not considered good game management? So, and then you win and you think, well, oh, what's you know, the point of it? Yeah, well, well what is the point is you've eaten into the clock, held on to your, your win, got three points, or into the next round of the cup, aren't you? So, that is the point. And if a manager does that more often than not, he's lost. If, if the referee manager. was. If the referee was doing his job, though, he'd add on the time. He'd add the time. That's, that's, yes, that's the, yes. the Now, pitch. to be fair, that is the bugbear here, where it's, say, two minutes on the clock, or three minutes on the clock, like you say, and then the substitution takes a minute, but you don't get the extra minute added on to that, so it eats into the, the last three minutes. Now, that is a bugbear, which I think, had you gone more direct with that one, that probably could have been kicked into the bin. But I think sub- oh, it's a tough one. 
I'm going to say no. Think I've... about what happens if you're losing, though, yeah. Dan. You're thinking if you're winning this game here. Now, what if you're losing 1-0 and it's, you know, say Chelsea, one of our hated rivals, are bringing Hazard off and he's trotting from the furthest corner. How are you feeling at that moment? I've been I'm trying. I'm trying it, Dan. I'm trying. But I want to celebrate the wins more because I think you need the wins more in football <laughs> than the defeats, don't you? So, unfortunately, that one is staying out. Which means we're down to our, our last picks each, gentlemen. So, I don't know if you've been holding a blockbuster or this is your fifth penalty taker who's perhaps a little bit weaker. But this is it, Matthew, your last one. What have you got for me? Um, this sort of came about, there was a social media post went around a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. And it was a fan who, I think it was away at Middlesbrough, played six, uh, paid £6.50 for cheesy chips and it was just a thing of chips with yeah, two slices. Oh, I Do you know, I, I, I'm sure everyone's seen the picture. So my point is, in this modern age, why is there still so much shite food at games? Why are we still eating the same thing? Um, I'm not an exper- I'm not an experimentalist with food. You know, I'm I'm uh, a fussy eater. I you know I've never I've never eaten an Indian or a Chinese or a Thai or a curry in my life. Never have. I don't wish to. But for the other people in this modern age, when there, there's so much choice available, when there's you know Uber Eats and Deliveroo and Just Eat, I'm not saying get fans to order food in no order takeaways. I'm not saying that. Imagine the Exactly. Over the tannoy, can Mr. Smith please report to his nearest steward your pepperoni pizza is ready for collection? Whatever. I'm not saying that. But why can't we get better quality food inside stadiums? And I'm not talking about in the hospitality. I'm talking in the concourse areas. Like you you guys are both Spurs fans. You've got you've got a brand new stadium coming. I, I think you do anyway. I've I've not been told about it. Um I've been to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. They have a Chick-fil-A. If anyone's ever been to America and seen the gorgeousness there is Chick-fil-A, they have fast food restaurants in the stadium. They have local ciders and local beers and local produce and all this great stuff. Why can't, Why is it so hard for us to not get, you know, um, a Sunday roast or, or any decent food? In, there's so many, you know, local eateries that you can, that you can build off and sort of have local... Local pride, get a local butcher's to set up a stall and a little barbecue and sell locally produced, locally produced hot dogs rather than this £3.50 for rollover in a cold baguette stuff. There's so much that you can do in regards to food in this world. Why are we still eating the same stuff that we were having no, 10 or 15 years ago it's time for us to just open up get local companies in get local even if you have to have fast food restaurants or pizzerias i don't care just get more decent food outlets into stadiums so we can have a decent even if it's slightly overpriced i don't care just give me some decent food at a game okay um it's a decent point i like where it's going cole can you tip this one over the edge well, Dan, I think we've both, you know, having spent, you know, nearly a season and a bit now at Wembley, I think you probably would agree with me. You know, when when you consider what we're paying for this food and the quality of it, yeah. um, just to get a dirty, you know, bit of plastic hamburger in a grotty bit of bread that's now cost me £7, £8.50, um, 
and you take it back and go, well, that must be one of the worst, you know, eight, nearly ten pound I've spent on a burger in my life. I can kind of fully agree with this one because, you know, yeah, the food at football grounds, given the price we're being charged, is utterly dreadful. Um, my only issue with the guy who got the cheesy chips was that he actually took it and paid for it. Um, because, you know, this was just chips with two slices of cheese put on top of it. Um, but I fully agree with this, you know, and say, having spent some time at Wembley um, and seen what we're dished up there, then, yeah, I'd be behind this one. It's a clean sweep, lads. I'm on board for this one as well, because, yeah, football food, as a general rule, is just outrageously bad. Like Carl's just said, Wembley food, I mean, I just don't even bother anymore. I just go hungry, because the value of the food for the quality is just a joke, so... Again, you wouldn't mind paying that eight pound fifty or whatever it is for or whatever it is for a burger if it was from Gourmet Burger Kitchen or something. You know, if Jamie Oliver produced a special, maybe not Jamie Oliver because he's a bit of a dick, but if so, if some uh, chef produced a range of food just to have in just to have in stadiums, you'd be you'd be okay with being priced. Uh, being overcharged as long yeah. as it was actually decent I don't think it's necessarily the price point because you've got to remember you are sort of a captive audience you're there aren't you you can't go elsewhere in that two hours so if you had to pay extra then begrudgingly you would as long as the quality was a lot better so it's not necessarily banish all food it's just raise the threshold quality of food isn't it so that's certainly yeah. in the bin that's a great shout so that um, wraps up three out of five for Matthew. So, Cole, what have you got for your last in the bin offering, please? So, for me, Dan, it's watching football on the telly. And the one thing that I'm, I can't be the only one who gets frustrated is when suddenly, at a certain point during a game, we get this camera pan on a manager or a substitution for about what feels like about five minutes while the game's going on in the background and you're now sitting here going, why am I looking at this bloke as a substitute while the game is going? How many times the sky suddenly during a game flash up an image of Jurgen Klopp standing on the touchline or Jose Mourinho or, you know, any manager or a substitution or someone in the crowd, you know, the player who's not playing today, all of a sudden, but we're on the attack. Oh, let's go and have a look at Klopp standing on the touchline for a minute. And that's tell you a really non-interesting fact. And when we turn the camera back, suddenly it's a goal kick. And you've missed what happened. You've no idea now how it got to be a goal kick or how your player suddenly got in the position he is because the camera has been panned on someone who you've no interest in whatsoever for about, what I say, it feels like about five minutes. It's probably a minute. Why can't these people stick a small box in the corner where they then show you the picture, but you can still see the main game going on? I don't know how many times this year I've nearly missed goals or Sky have nearly missed goals because they've panned away to do some nothing shot and you look back and the ball's nearly trickling over the line for a goal and you then go, well, I don't know what happened. What happened there? Because we've all missed it. Yeah, that's a um, great example So for of that. me, it's that stupid... I mean, I think we had the example, didn't we, where um, Czech yes, nearly put it in his own exactly goal in the first say. game of the that season. That is the one. That is the one. You know, Spot on. They've panned to Pep Guardiola standing on the sidelines, scratching his nails or picking his nose because there's nothing, you know, what we think is going to be interesting. And we miss what could have been the greatest moment in Premier League history, which would have been Czech scoring an own goal from a goal kick. Um, 
And yeah, it, for me, I just don't get why these TV companies feel the need to do it or what they think we actually care that we want to see this bloke sitting on the subs bench and we want to see his stats. Or suddenly that you'll be attacking and Sky want to flash up their next game. Oh, Super Sunday, Brighton versus Huddersfield. Oh, do me a favour. We've missed what's happened now to see your bloody advertising. Um, that, for me, Dan, that's got to go in the bin. I, I, it really does my head in while I'm watching a game. I, 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 abs- I absolutely agree with you. And what's worse is that they had this sorted. Does anyone remember Player Cam? Yeah. yeah. In the other, you used to press the red button yeah. and for like 15 minutes it would just focus on one player. Yeah. They had yeah. this and then went away with it. I think BT in their early days, in their very early days when they when they first got into Premier League, it may have been the first game of the season where I first saw this. Uh, Liverpool were playing Sunderland, I believe it was. And they had... Um, uh, Sunderland had a penalty in the last minute. It may have been Stoke. It was one of the strikers. It was anyway. Stoke, isn't it? <laughs> Whoever, I don't care. Um, they were... They had uh, someone. Someone had a penalty in the last minute, and they had the full screen. I think the end-on camera as well, which is another thing we didn't get around to tonight of the penalty. And then they had the little box in the corner of I think the two managers of it was. Been, it would have been Brendan Rodgers and at that point uh, uh, managing Stoke Mark Hughes. I want to yeah, say yeah, yeah. They had that, and I think in an earlier game. Um, they when liver or a later game rather when Norwich were playing Liverpool, they had the thing and they cut to a, a, a thing of Jurgen Klopp on the sideline, but it was in a little box on the side. That's the thing. They had this idea. They perfected it, and yet for some reason they went away with it. When most fans will tell you, "Hang on, we want that. Let's get that back." I would honestly, in today's in today's game, wouldn't you want to see you know player cam? Wouldn't you want to see Jose Mourinho and Pep Guardiola? On the on the touchline together when things are kicking off, it it they had it but they lost it. Sorry, carry on. No, you're fine, and you're absolutely right as well. We we seem to have regressed, haven't we? It's not just the fact that it's something that we've never seen before. It's it's a it's taking away something that was good, and b it's just getting worse now. So it's all about this constant drama that we need to see. But like you say, Carl, it's useless tidbits about what Pep's had for lunch this. Yeah, right, I mean? yeah, it's just not necessary. And the Petr Cech example was absolutely the perfect example because we nearly missed the goal. Do you know what I mean? And had they just shown a replay of what had happened, it would have lost its magic. And like you say, it was almost a goal moment which is not even captured. So you're absolutely right. I can't argue with that at all. What should we call it? Bad direction, I guess. From football yeah, it's got to be, isn't it? Bad yeah, direction. Yeah, that's going into the bin. So chaps, you've um, you've done quite well actually. Above average, uh, three out of five per person so you know team effort 6 out of 10 I like the way you sort of teamed up with me um, on on some occasion to sort of get the better of me it worked sometimes sometimes it didn't so um, <laughs> so yeah it's great suggestions but you're not off the hook just yet because I need uh, one more bit of information from you and that's our loser pool picks of the week so um, Matthew this weekend we've got um, the international break is long gone thankfully so I just want to know who you think is a guaranteed loser this week and why um, I'm going for Brighton and Hove Albion away to Newcastle United. I think this whole stuff with um, Mike Ashley and the, the the whole club going to a mess and Rafa Benitez not losing his job. I reckon this whole two week period is just going to be that one time to Benitez is going to sit him down and say, "Right, lads, let's actually focus here. We need to start doing things." He'll have two weeks to drill that into him, and on his and on their day, Newcastle can pull 
incredible results out of the bag. Um, plus the travelling factor, because I think it's the longest trip in the Premier League, I'm not 100% sure, but the travelling factor, Brian away to Newcastle, I say Newcastle win that comfortably, so my guaranteed loser is Brighton over Albion. A solid shout, and what about yourself, Cole? So for me, I think I'm going to go Watford this week, Dan, away at Wolves. Um, I, I think the start Wolves have had, they're really, they're really buzzing, um, they've they've got a great squad there, and the momentum's with them. And I just don't see Watford having enough to go there and get something because I think at Molyneux with that crowd behind them, Wolves are really buzzing. That place will be rocking, um, and I just don't see them having enough to stop an informed Wolves at the moment, mate. Okay, yeah, I mean Watford were, I guess, brought back to reality, weren't they, after that heavy defeat at home to Bournemouth? It'll be interesting to see if Javi Grazia sort of rings the changes because he's. Try to be as consistent with his team lineups as he has. Um, not quite as much as Wolves, obviously. They haven't made a change at all. But Watford have only made two, and that's due to injuries both at right-back. So they've tried to sort of have the same cohesion each week. That will have to change because I know Cabaselli suspended. So it will be interesting. But like I say, Wolves are just purring at the moment. I mean, we've been waxing lyrical about Wolves almost all season on this podcast. Yeah, we're, that's right. Yeah. We're almost sort of secret Wolves fans at this point. but um, <laughs> Well, not so secret Wolves fans. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a... A fair shout. I'm going to offer up... Um, I think Crystal Palace will lose away to Everton. I just think... We're not really talking about Palace in relegation circles just yet. But, you know, they're just not really... They're not clicked this season. I mean, I know they had a nightmare start last season. So that's probably why no one's really sort of panicking just at the moment. But I think they will need to sort of get better. They need to find goals. I think they've scored, what, is it five this season um, already? So... It's not looking um, too great for them. I will, um, yeah, I'm going to put uh, Palace into the mix. So let's uh, recap. Uh, Matthew's gone for Brighton away at Newcastle. I mean, we keep saying that every game's a must-win game at the moment for Newcastle, but you feel this one is because if Brighton win, that's another team in that sort of bottom bracket which will get further away and that will only add pressure to Rafa Benitez and his men. Carl has gone for Watford to lose at Wolves and I've gone for Palace to lose at Everton. So that is our loser ball picks of the week and that just about wraps everything up on our sort of slightly different podcast for this week tinkering of the format but with international break why not you know we've got nothing better to do have we so um i just want to um, extend my thanks to my guests you've been absolutely brilliant tonight i've had such a blast um this will definitely be a topic we revisit in the next international break so i mean if any listeners want to chip in with their pet hates or you want to be the next person to offer your pet hates do get in touch with me on the sort of uh, platforms that I offered up earlier in the show. And yeah, like I say, uh, just uh, thanks to Carl for being on tonight and welcome back to Proceedings. Cheers, Dan. Great to be back, mate. Not a problem, mate. And also thanks to Matthew. And of course, Matthew, if you want to be a guest during the season when we sort of talk to the, the real business of all the, the real football, you're more than welcome also. By all means, it's been a pleasure being on and I'd absolutely, if it's anything like this, I'd absolutely love to come back. Thank you very much, mate. That's very kind of you. So then, it just needs you to say that my name's Dan Tracy this is the Real Football Cast in association with Loser Paul. And until next week, goodbye. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.